0: Frank Salufo probably knows what you're doing right now. He probably knows you're listening to this podcast. Or at least he could know if he wanted to. He knows how to find out. But cyberspace superstar though he is, he's been cited and quoted everywhere from Forge to the Washington Post, Frank wouldn't do that. He's one of the good guys. One of the guys you want on that wall. One of the guys you need on that wall. Protecting our digital infrastructure from those who would seek to spam it into submission to hack our daily digital lives to pieces. Let's be frank. Salufo is a rock star, and he has been for decades. After 9 11, he was one of President Bush's first appointees to the Department of Homeland Security. Ever heard of it? Now he's taking his policy steering talents to the McCrary Institute, where he's quickly turning the loveliest village into a veritable wellspring of practical safeguards to the realest, most critical cybersecurity threats the bad guys can upload. Cyber Warfare Eagle.
1: Well, I have a wonderful electronic invention I want you to see. It, it looks something like this.
2: gigawatts. What the hell is a gigawatt?
1: (laughs) You're listening to the Hashtag Getting Podcast, brought to you by Auburn University's Samuel Ginn College of Engineering.
0: The boys are back in town. Another episode of Hashtag Getting. Uh, I'm Jeremy Henderson, a communications specialist in the Samuel Ginn College of Engineering's office. Communications and Marketing, joined as always by my co-host Austin Phillips, the assistant director, not director, I gave you a promotion last time, assistant (laughs) assistant director in the uh, Office of Communications and Marketing, and joined by producer, director, international man of mystery, Marcus Klutz. And all of us are joined by, speaking of international, internationally renowned cyber security expert, Frank Salufo, director of the Auburns of the Auburns of Auburn's Charles D. McCrary Institute for Cyber and Critical Infrastructure Security. Did I get it all?
2: You got it all. Did I get that all? Absolutely.
0: Thanks so much for joining us. Uh, Frank, I had the pleasure of sitting in on the new employee luncheon with you. Do you remember me?
2: I do. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we started talking
0: basketball. Yeah. Basketball is a big topic right now around these parts. And uh, yeah, War Eagle. And you said that you uh, did a little coaching, right? Don't you do a little basketball, round ball coaching in the Bobby Knight vein? I understand, right? What? (laughs) Tell tell me about that. Let's break the ice. Let's watch our chairs. (laughs) So, what happened? Remind me again about the story we were telling, talking about.
2: You know, I I have four daughters, all of whom are much better athletes than I could ever coach. But I did have the opportunity to coach basketball since they were mostly soccer players and uh, love nothing more than uh, coaching hoops. I think it kind of it brings the best and it it, it also brings the competition uh, out of everyone. And um so early on, I, I actually was the one coach who didn't want their kids to get a trophy for coming in fourth place. And when they were young, it, it's sort of a ritual. Everyone gets a trophy. And and you know what? Uh, that's fine. Everyone deserves. But only the team that wins or loses, uh, in my eyes, ultimately gets that trophy. And uh gotten a little bit of hot water with uh, with the uh, with the league because i I didn't think that promoted uh, the 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 best in everyone. and it's not to suggest that winning is everything. it's not. in fact, quite honestly, it's the least important. but at the end of the day, you don't want to reward people for coming in fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth, or eleventh place. So gotten a little bit of hot water there um, and I actually only once got a technical i I did get called for a technical once and it was largely because one of the other players was injuring one of my players so i kind of feel like i came out in their defense but do you like get get out there on the floor I kind of did, yes. Yeah. I kind of did, yes. Dang. But you know what? When it's your kids and you're watching them play and uh, and you see something that maybe the coach has missed, it's pretty easy to get, get out there. So uh, yeah, I feel
1: like there may be some rec league
2: gym in D.C. area yeah, with, with Frank Salufo's name on nah, it. <laughs> nah, nah, nah. I, I love nothing more. And at the end of the day... Uh, um, looking back it's it's actually some of the best years of my life not only spending time with my own kids but many others and uh and when seeing them when they click and come together it's it's pretty awesome
1: great well let's kind of get into to why you're here nowhere for you near go. bruce pearl yeah. uh, uh, go, <laughs> who, go go uh go who is yeah exactly. who is He's awesome. the man's on fire he is, he is a stat. um just recently um under our new uh, under the umbrella of our Center for Cyber and Homeland Security, which operates under the McCrary Institute and is kind of our policy driver uh, from our D.C. area. Um, but you hosted the Department of Homeland Security Secretary Nielsen. Um, she delivered her 2019 State of Homeland Security address. Uh, just kind of talk about some. What are some of the biggest takeaways that you took uh, took away from that day and that, that
2: event with her? You know, so this is an annual event where the department, the secretary of the department lays out his or her uh, um, strategies and, and and priorities for the department. Um, you know, one of the biggest takeaways for me was cyber was front and center and, um When the department was first stood up, uh, and I had the privilege to work with uh, Tom Ridge also, the first secretary of DHS, cyber was not going to be on the top five list. Now I think it's on the top list of pretty much every department and agency, and, and DHS in particular plays a significant role because ultimately they're the ones who have to interface with the private sector. And uh, we're not going to win this uh, – uh, this, this, I'll call it a cyber war uh, without working with industry, without working with our critical infrastructure, in, infrastructure owners and operators. So when you think of the most critical infrastructures, the lifeline sectors that underpin our economy, that underpin our national security, that underpin uh, our privacy – they're all 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 owned by the private sector, not by government. So DHS has that critical lash up role to to translate the nouns into verbs, to take the 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 concepts and make them reality. So I think it was refreshing to hear uh, how much emphasis she placed on cyber. Um, a lot of hot button issues right now, vis a vis five G, for example. Uh, um, There's a lot of discussion around uh, um, some companies, foreign companies in particular, that could be at the very heart of our uh, critical infrastructure going forward, Huawei being an an example. So looking at the department's role there uh, in terms of uh, um, uh, where that goes is is a big set of issues because ultimately when you think about cybersecurity – it's it's everything or nothing depending on how you define it but nation states are at the very top of the list and and China, Russia, North Korea, Iran are the most uh flagrant and and, and blatant uh, perpetrators of uh bad behavior in cyberspace. So I think DHS asserting their role there is big. Uh the domestic counterterrorism issues are obviously uh significant uh um we, we still face uh, a significant Islamist threat in the United States. It, it, it may not be uh, blinking red as it once was, but, but the reality is the ideology lives on. And we're seeing other horrific types of attacks ideologically uh, motivated on, on, from other perspectives uh, um, that I think we need to take uh, seriously as well. Um, so the department's mission is so broad um, but it's an important mission. I, I was just thrilled to hear cyber is at the very top of that list.
1: Well, you mentioned working with Tom Ridge and just kind of a, a history lesson. You know, following nine eleven, you were chosen to uh, serve as a, an advisor to President George W. Bush on matters such as Homeland Security counterterrorism. Um, what was it like working in the White House and working in that – that time period specifically, too, in in those months and year after nine eleven, 11 what was it like? Well,
2: firstly, it was the privilege of a lifetime. I, I mean, to work for your country at its time arguably of greatest need, uh, uh, in recent history at least, was – was one of the greatest privileges. And it was one of the few times you saw Washington, there was no red, blue, it was red, white, and blue. Everyone was pulling the oars, everyone was moving in the same direction. Everyone wanted to get their arms around uh, uh, this great uh, uh, challenge, obviously defeat the threat, but also enhance our uh, uh, ability to recover and reconstitute and build resilience into our system. Um, But we we were running on adrenaline for a long time. I mean the reality is we were building an airplane mid flight uh because we had an active threat that we had to deal with uh in the here and now but 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 uh, at the same time we also need to ensure that we could improve our uh, uh capabilities domestically connect that uh with with our uh inner, our, our foreign partners it It was the most rewarding job. Anyone could ever have the opportunity to be called upon, but it was also the most exhausting job. So, I I mean, these were, no joke, 18-hour days every day, seven days a week. What about Uh, working with President Bush? uh, What what was he like? President Bush uh, uh, was – he'd get right down to brass tacks, uh, very thoughtful um, uh, he loved this country more than uh, uh, I, I think anyone can imagine. Um, committed, passionate, um, but but would also get down to, to brass tacks. So the the key about working for President Bush is you never come two minutes late for a meeting. The meeting's already over. So he, his meeting started early, um, and you know just walking into the West Wing every day was. Uh, uh, you can't capture it in an an effective kind of way. But it was really daunting, rewarding, and uh, um, you felt the uh, significance and the importance not only of the office, but what the office uh, uh, intended to do. So Governor Ridge, Tom Ridge, was the first Homeland Security advisor, and I had the privilege to, to work very closely with him. And He came to the job as a governor uh, in Pennsylvania uh, and obviously one of the the, the horrific uh, uh, 9-11 attacks that had a Pennsylvania connection to that as well. Um, And you had everyone uh, so committed uh, but also uh, everyone was was cognizant of the fact that we had so much to do in such a short order of time and – And knock on wood, uh, uh, I I think by and large, we were able to ameliorate the greatest threats and risk, um, take those off the table, and then uh, start building out. So um, these were the best people to work with, uh, uh, but I think that the whole country was unified. You've been on the second
0: most rewarding job
2: of your career since like September
0: or so right absolutely right so walk us through a normal day right now what's
2: it like what's the first website you check no such thing as a normal day so i'm normally starting with uh phone calls early in the morning and uh part of what we're trying to do is to marry up dc and auburn um so I kind of look at it as uh, the intersection of policy and technology, where theory and practice meet. And 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 when I came to Auburn, and uh, I mean, we've got an incredibly robust and deep tech bench here, and uh, trying to take those capabilities. To the fight, to the to the big issues that are, are the primary headaches for decision makers, whether in government or industry, is really rewarding. So I think of it as trying to marry up theory, practice, little b- bring a little bit of DC to Auburn, bring a little bit of Auburn to DC, and 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 get stuff done. So I I do start with. Uh, I, I hate to say it. My my typical morning will be looking at Twitter, uh, since I see that as the ultimate news uh, aggregator. Um, I, I tend to be able to weed out and discern the signal from the noise on on some of that. Then I then I turn to email. What's the biggest fire that someone's trying to get me to to respond to? Um, and and but I try to match that up with the the advantage of being at Auburn is i'm not just running out of my inbox anymore i have the ability to match up what i want to get done during the day and then worry about putting out everyone else's fires when you're kind of in dc it's the other way around you're you're reacting to everyone else's fires and uh and that's the way it kind of it kind of works so so a little bit of forward planning meet uh uh, you've got to be able to go to an audible because every day is going to be a little bit different. Uh, but but all things said and done, uh, start with a little bit of news, focus in on what's, uh, what's what's burning in terms of uh, first priorities, but then overlay that with what we need to get accomplished, what we need to get done.
1: We we recently just announced uh, the board for the McCreary Institute, and, and leading that board uh, is Lieutenant General Ronald Burgess. Uh, who is the former director of the Defense Intelligence Agency. He also serves as the chief operating officer here at Auburn University. And then Admiral Mike Rogers, the former commander of the U.S. Cyber Command and uh, former director of the NSA. You know, that that's, that's some heavy hitters right there in terms of having been immersed in this community for decades. So, Talk about this board in general, their leadership, and and what this is going to bring to what we're going to be able to accomplish here at Auburn. Yeah, I, I
2: mean, for starters, uh, General Burgess and Admiral Rogers. I, I mean, they bleed blue and orange, so uh, uh, they they know what an Auburn education. Can provide someone, but they also know that there are opportunities to grow even further, and 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 they're one hundred percent vested and committed uh, in ensuring not only the McCrary Institute, but but the students that that will ultimately come through uh, 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 all of our initiatives are, are as good as they can possibly be. I, I mean, it is a privilege to to be able to work with so many good people who uh, um, have had. Yeoman's experience and work in a, in a, in a whole host of areas. Um, obviously, uh, Admiral Rogers was, uh, has done some phenomenal work as the combatant commander of U.S. Cyber Command. So he gets sort of the operational side, and uh, and and he also grew through the ranks as a signals intelligence officer. So uh, he he's sort of the. He embodies technology meet policy because he's uh, he's had to live both those worlds and uh, General Burgess obviously through and through uh, has been a great voice and leader uh, in Washington for so many years and is coming back to the Plains Uh, because that's home Um, but it's not just those two we've we've got a great board so we're trying to marry up academia with government with industry Uh, Charles McCrary himself is just uh, an amazing individual and someone who's done so much for the state of Alabama um, uh, but also for Auburn University so uh, not only because he's the namesake but someone who really cares about uh, uh, driving solutions going forward Mike Demaribus who brought uh, real technical expertise out of Dynetics, uh, Leslie Bellucci, who has also great uh, corporate experience and DC experience, uh, Rick Knopp, uh, obviously Chris Roberts, Dean Roberts, who's uh, uh, just one of the best deans I've had the, the, the opportunity to meet and work with, a, a true visionary, um, and, and so many others. So these are people who have sort of been there, done that have operational experience, have policy experience, but uh, uh are helping guide us through where we want to go forward and um uh Zeke Smith and others uh, uh th- these are people who who want to give back. And uh and quite honestly, we couldn't deliver on our mission without their support. So, uh blessed to have
0: them. Uh we were talking Twitter earlier and you're I guess daily internet appetites, everything. I've always been fascinated by just anyone's uh, kind of first experience or experiences with the internet, but of course somebody in your position. For me, it was New Year's Eve 1989, the host of the party sits me down at the computer and shows me the weather in New York City on this whole prodigy thing, and I made all these pen pals, great times. So for you, what was like the first kind of inklings of, of the internet and what it could be? Uh,
2: if that makes any sense. No, I mean, do, you ha- do you have a memory of that? It's a great question. I, I I mean, for starters, when you go back to the very roots of ARPANET, which is the predecessor to the Internet, uh, it was never intended to be what it is today. Uh, and and the reality is is we are so connected. Uh, uh, once you start looking at uh, the Internet of Things and the Internet of Everything, we're going to have billions of devices that are interconnected in one way or another, which is a good thing. It makes life easy, but it also expands the attack surface exponentially. So there's so many other uh, ways into the system that I I think if we were to design it again – I don't think security would have been an afterthought. I think it would have been a primary thought. Uh, the ultimate, uh, uh, the, the the founding of the of, of Arpanet was actually to ensure communications in the event of a major national security crisis. And I've had the privilege of actually working with some of the founders of Arpanet and uh, uh, and, and and others in that space. So. Um, my first insight was more. Uh, I was working at a think tank at a time, the Center for Strategic and International Studies. We were one of the very first institutional uh, entities that had email. Um, there were about forty of us that had email. It wasn't wasn't what it was today. It was manageable. Um, go <laughs> so do I. So, so do I. Um, but but you know so i couldn't imagine work today using a fax machine the way i i did every day and a, and and a phone but there were some benefits to that you actually had the time to do some thinking um uh but but the internet as a, a ubiquitous It really is. When you think of critical infrastructures, it's arguably the most critical of our infrastructures because it's one way or another uh, embedded into everything we do. Um, I I don't think it was designed with that in mind, but it's probably one of the greatest uh, – Technological advancements in, in in history. So did I see, I see it at that time? Right now. Yeah. yeah, I did not. I did not think it was going to be anything that it is today. And uh, um, maybe it's just because I was short sighted. But um, but I, I I also think if you're looking at it from an architectural standpoint, from an engineering perspective. Um, we could have done things a little different uh, to enhance the safety and security of these systems.
1: Quickly, the Mueller report, that's been a hot-button topic. You know, people claim this is what's happened. This, What did Russia do during 2016? What are they continuing to do? What are we continuing to do to try to fight that?
2: That's a great question. And uh, I wish there were a 30-second answer to that. But um, not touching on the Mueller report itself, but rather uh, uh, on what we saw play out in terms of Russian activity uh, during the elections. They did meddle. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about that. You don't need to be at CIA or NSA to, 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 to be able to pull that threat. When you say they meddle, what, what do you mean by so that? So ultimately what they were doing – I don't think they altered – I think this discussion gets a little obfuscated. They did not alter any votes. What they did do was they used uh, psychological means to drive wedges between and among Americans. And so they were able to use uh, bots and other means to, to try to double down on rifts that all – already existed, but they gave credence and credibility to conspiracy theories uh, of different sorts and different kinds. So ultimately, what they tried to do was not – they tried to erode trust in our electoral process. This is straight out of the KGB book from the 80s. Forget about uh, the 2000s. And, And that's precisely what they were trying to do was to drive wedges between and among us, to undermine and erode confidence in our electoral process and and in turn to try to erode confidence in, in the democratic uh, process. And and they've continued doubling down in, in other countries. So that's why I was a very outspoken uh, uh, individual at the time saying there needed to be consequences for this bad behavior. Um, one way or another, not only to send a message to Russia, but everyone else who's watching and seeing what can play out. Basically, we said uh, – Game on. So that to where we are today. Now, there is a lot of activity within the interagency. There have been some news stories, which uh, uh, I highly recommend people read, that uh, allegedly U.S. Cyber Command did some uh, recent activity in the most recent go around midterm elections to, 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 to change, to act in a, a cyber means uh, to dissuade Russian activity. Um, there's a lot of expenditures going out now between all 50 states and the electoral process. They've now Now, all had their intelligence briefings uh, uh, with DHS and and, and other entities. But when you actually get down to the – to elections, it's it's not a federal set of issues alone. Obviously, we're a federalist form of government and uh, the states, counties – um, towns in some cases. They all have a, a vote in this matter, no pun intended. So how do you get all of those arms and legs together? That's That's been a, a communication set of issues. But I also think you're starting to see the administration step up and articulate a deterrent strategy that there will be consequences for bad behavior. And that, to me, is the missing – element of our statecraft right now. We're never going to defend or firewall our way out of this problem. I hate to say it. We're going to – and that's not to suggest that we can't and shouldn't do much more on the security side. We must. But we also need to ensure that there's pain, that there are consequences for ridiculous uh, and aberrant and, and, and horrific behavior. And that's where I think you're going to see some activity on the offensive side, which um, I feel like we can no longer treat as a classified set of discussions alone. We need to be a little more transparent. Uh, for those of you who remember the movie, what, what good's have having the doomsday machine if no one knows you got it? We've, we've got to be able to express some of our own capabilities. Otherwise, think about it in the physical world. You get robbed every day. Do you simply call the locksmith? that's doomed for failure we can't just build higher walls wider moats protected by bigger locks we need to ultimately uh, uh induce some 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 change in the calculus that they should not uh engage in such activity so marrying up in a football context we need to get our offensive and defensive coordinators lined up with one head coach, pulling all the plays together, getting all the playbooks together, and then making sure that all of our uh, uh, team is is operating in the same direction. War games. Good movie, huh? Great movie. I'm glad you mentioned was, movies. Was yeah, that the one you
0: were going to go uh, for? Or? That
1: was the one I was going for. We've done this segment almost every single time and every movie we name, Nobody has seen them. No we try to do
0: it to correspond yeah. with what we think would be their interest. David Roosh, hey, what's your, you know, Twister, is that a big movie? He's never seen it. Mike Ogles, Armageddon, never seen it. <laughs> uh, Cole Cold. Blackstock, uh, what, what was it? Were sneakers some... was another good cyber sneakers? movie. yeah, I'm another so good happy. cyber You're movie. I'm happy you going to say Sneakers. Yeah. Yeah. I can't tell you. I'm yeah. about to cry. Yeah. It's, my fa- it's like one of my favorite movies. It's, it's arguably movie. my favorite movie. Now, in terms of that, like, it's all about the information. I mean, is there some truth to that? This whole this whole deal. I mean, there's some weird plot holes to it to me, but at the same time, I'm just like, maybe I'm not smart enough to get it. Have you ever seen Sneakers, Austin? 1992. I'm, I'm the guilty one. Now. You have I'm, to see I'm Sneakers, but right. I mean, it, it's all about the information, what we see, what we hear. Little one, every to me, that movie has been so prescient or, or so prophetic or something in this day and age with the the, the information because that's a, like you were saying that's what Russia's playing on mm-hmm. is this this psychological site, psychological yep. ops you know that you now you gotta do you don't have to like sit there and crack into something you get you gotta get a Facebook account and have some fun mm-hmm. um anyway so yeah I was just wanted to ask about sneakers no, make sure you a you'd great
2: movie it. And, and and you know I'm a big believer in so movies are a way to get people to open their minds, and it doesn't mean that they're going to be fact, but sometimes they are faction, uh, and the reality is, is often they do envision concepts and ideas that that can be quite prescient. So I, I'm not a huge movie buff, but I, I I love being able to sit back and and it's a way to communicate complex issues that sometimes we're not ready to hear, and other times uh, uh, they're spot on. I mean, Tom Clancy is another one. Uh, A lot of what he had written uh, rang pretty true. Well, I know
1: I sleep better at night. Our alumni, our listeners, they should sleep better at night, knowing that we have people like you here at Auburn uh, working on issues like this because these aren't going away. Uh, there's going to be new issues every single day, and it's going to change every single year. Um, and ha- having experts like you who have dedicated your life to this,
2: uh, people should sleep better at night knowing that. Well, it's a privilege to be here, privilege to work with not only the great faculty and, and uh, staff at Auburn University, but the alumni is top notch. So, uh, War Eagle, big game this weekend. Yeah, go get them, War Eagle.
1: War Eagle.